You are listening to the 20-Minute Fitness Podcast, episode 18. Today we're talking about self-monitoring your fitness through goal setting and different goal setting methods. So let's get started. Hey everybody, it's Leslie here. Welcome to the 20-Minute Fitness Podcast. If this is your first time listening, thanks for stopping by. The 20-Minute Fitness Podcast is produced every Tuesday for your enjoyment, and show notes are found at www.20minute.fitness. All links are in the show notes. Also, feel free to email us with topic suggestions. Write us your idea to podcast at 20minute.fitness. So, let's get into the show. As always, 20-Minute Fitness is powered by ShapeScale. ShapeScale is a 3D body scanner, scale, and fitness tracker. You step on it, and it digitizes your body composition in photorealistic 3D. Now available for pre-order on shapescale.com. Hello, and welcome back to the 20-Minute Fitness Podcast. And if you're new here, thanks for tuning in. This week, we are tackling the topic of self-monitoring and how it can help you reach your fitness goals more effectively. So exactly what do I mean when I say self-monitoring? Well, essentially self-monitoring is the practice of keeping track of your activity and using that collection of information to keep on track towards your fitness goals, allowing you to see what you can do better and where you have a tendency to slip up. So before we get into how you can monitor your goals, let's first talk about how to actually create an effective and well-thought-out goal. This is the basis of self-monitoring, or at least this is the first step in making self-monitoring more effective and using it as a viable way to meet your fitness goals. Because you can track every calorie and every step you take, but if you don't have a goal in mind, there's a very good chance that you're wandering around with no real place to go. So think of your goal as a hiking trail. If you have a goal, you're on a path to a certain place you would like to go. We have all made goals. I made a goal that I would like to learn French back in December. And here we are in March, and so far I can only say colors. So I'm not exactly fluent. Also, sorry mom, if you're listening, all of those years of French class just never really sunk in. So where did I go wrong? Why did this goal not work? Well, it's mostly because I set for myself a very broad, vague, and non-effective goal. So how do we create an effective goal? Well, if you want to meet the goals you set, consider the following three factors. Firstly, the more specific a goal, the more likely you are to achieve it. Secondly, ambitious goals are good, but overly ambitious goals can be discouraging. While finally, regular feedback on progress improves outcomes. According to the goal master himself, Tony Robbins, There is actually a very simple formula to create a goal that you can actually achieve. The tried and true method of goal setting is known as a SMART goal. The acronym SMART stands for Specific, Measurable, Attainable, Realistic, and Time-Bound. So to exemplify what it is to make a SMART goal, let's set a really common and very vague goal of running a marathon, and let's see if we can turn that into a SMART goal. Let's start off with being specific. When goal setting, your goal must be very clear and defined not only to you, but to others as well. It should be precise, detailed, and capable of answering questions instead of creating more. Okay, so in the case of running a marathon, to be specific, I want to run the San Francisco Marathon. 
Now I have a specific race in mind. On to the second step, which is having your goal be measurable. This is arguably one of the most significant steps in making your goal effective because it really zeroes in on what you are setting yourself out to do. So include dates, exact numbers, and amounts in your goal. To go back to the example of the marathon, it shouldn't be run a marathon. It should state a specific benchmark by a specific time. Therefore, turning the goal into, I will run the San Francisco Marathon in 2 hours and 30 minutes on July 24th, 2018. Moving on to A, which stands for attainable. Your goal must be something you can reasonably attain. You should be able to accomplish it within the constraints of time, money, environment, as well as your skills and abilities and other important factors. Did I choose a marathon that was two months away, or have I given myself enough time to train for this race appropriately so I can reasonably attain the goal of running the marathon? The notion of attainability also runs into the theme of the next step, which is to be realistic. Goals should be in line with the direction that you are heading in life. Keep your goals in line with your true purpose. Don't waste time with unrealistic goals. So let's say, okay, well, I've only ever run a 10K, so maybe let's scale the goal back from a marathon to a half marathon. This saves you from setting yourself up for failure. That's not to say that you will never run a marathon, but pushing yourself beyond what you can reasonably attain is one of the main drivers for simply giving up on your goal. Lastly, the goal should be time-bound. Always set specific deadlines for the completion of your goal. In the case of the marathon, it has a very clear date. However, you can also set the deadline yourself if you have goals such as lifting a certain amount or not eating sugar for a certain amount of time. Creating a target date for completion creates accountability and gives you more motivation. If you don't achieve your goal by your specific date, that's okay. Adjust and keep moving forward. Always set a date for your goals. So let's look at our original goal of run a marathon and compare it to our SMART goal of running the San Francisco Half Marathon on July 24, 2018 in 2 hours and 35 minutes, 5 months from now. Pretty different, right? With this method, you now have a clear path to what you want to accomplish. No more wandering. This week's episode of 20 Minute Fitness is sponsored by Health IQ, an insurance company that helps health conscious people like runners, cyclists, weightlifters, and vegetarians get lower rates on their life insurance. The Health IQ Advantage is their unique mortality model on the health conscious, and they have lower rates for people who are leading a health conscious life, kind of like good driver savings on auto insurance. They have unique underwriting that replaces BMI with waist-to-hip ratio, takes into consideration cholesterol calculations, and more. In fact, 70% of their exclusive rate clients get approved at the top rate class. HealthIQ is the fastest-growing life insurance company with over $5 billion in coverage. To see if you qualify, get your free quote today at healthiq.com slash 20fit, or mention the promo code 20fit when you talk to a HealthIQ agent. Life insurance companies calculate your policy rates based on your nearest age, not your actual age, and rates increase as you get older. 
Walk in the best way possible by getting a free quote today. Okay, so now that we have set our goals, let's understand how we can monitor them and learn from them. Essentially, self-monitoring is the method of reflecting on your goals in a way that is constructive. Self-monitoring requires that rather than beating yourself up for not attaining your goal, you attend to your own individual experiences. When you self-monitor, you begin to notice barriers, pay attention to physical cues, and identify challenges to changing your behavior. Too often, we rely on negative self-judgment to stay motivated, and in doing so, fail to recognize and plan for real barriers. So by monitoring our behaviors and tendencies, we have a method of looking back that relies on real, collected data. So you can think of yourself as a scientist when you self-monitor. An example of self-monitoring is to keep a log of your food intake or exercise routines. Doing so will help you problem-solve when life has gotten busy or you have gotten off track. So let's dig into one of the basics of self-monitoring, which is food journaling. Now, there are a lot of books, ready-made journals, and apps catered to food journaling. And to some, they make the process easier. However, a simple pen and notebook work just as well. The key is to follow a couple of steps when you journal in order to get accurate and helpful results. The first is to be specific. Being specific is probably the most important aspect of keeping an effective weight loss journal. It's easy to say, I had a sandwich for lunch. But if you want to get the most out of your words, write down word for word what you ate that day. After all, a small whole wheat sandwich is totally different than a meatball sub but both could be considered sandwiches. When you're writing, focus on portion size, time of day, environment, and how you could have felt before, during, and after eating. This will give you insight into your eating patterns in the long run. And this can help you make small interventions for a big change over time. And also, don't forget to list what you had to drink that day. Secondly, a key reason to what triggers us to eat food is emotion. Stress, depression, anxiety, nervousness can lead us to overeat or undereat. So you don't want to simply write down what you ate. You want to also write down how it made you feel or how you felt before you ate. If you notice that you're reaching for food every time your boss hands you a new project, then perhaps next time you'll be more likely to recognize that trigger and reach for some water instead. It's not going to be a perfect science but it will point you into the right direction of healthy habits. Lastly, be brutally honest. You may feel guilty about the pizza you had today, and you might not want to write it down, but that's the point. Being totally honest in your writing allows you to notice your eating trends and pick up on your feelings around food so that you can take actual steps towards tangible change. A recent study from the journal Appetite found that those who felt guilty around food were more likely to overeat and gain weight in the long run. Allowing yourself to fully address these feelings of guilt or anxiety or sadness or whatever you have been feeling could help you develop a better relationship with your food over time. Another popular method of self-monitoring is known as cognitive behavior therapy, or CBT. CBT has been especially effective when it comes to weight loss and for people who are trying to maintain their weight loss results. Essentially, CBT is about identifying your negative habits and actively trying to replace them with positive patterns. 
When it comes to changing your behaviors, especially long-term habitual patterns like snacking or avoiding workouts, getting yourself to do something different depends largely on what you tell yourself, that is, what you are thinking. Here are some CBT methods from Dr. Melanie Greenberg, a licensed clinical psychologist you can use in your daily routine to help better shape long-term healthy habits. The first is scheduling your day. Allow adequate time for buying, preparing, and eating healthy food, or set an alarm if necessary so you don't get stuck watching TV or working at the computer. If prepping veggies doesn't sound like something you'd be able to squeeze into your schedule, consider researching meal delivery services. There are plenty of services offering healthy options that could easily be prepared without the hassle of the store. Essentially, the point of this tip is to schedule your time with intention and with intention of keeping your healthy habit. Secondly, stock up on healthy snacks that have a pleasing texture or taste. Something that I have found recently is that I can easily opt for a bag of chips when I get nervous. I realized, however, I wasn't craving chips. I really wanted something crunchy to snack on while I was nervous. So now I opt for baby carrots. So it may be helpful to swap in healthy foods that can fill a similar gap as the junk food might. Also, drinking a cup of hot tea with your mid-morning or mid-afternoon snack may also make that feeling of satisfaction last longer. Next, stay in the moment while eating. Avoid eating at the computer while driving or multitasking while you eat. Tune into the experience of eating. What tastes and textures do you feel? How satisfying is the food? And what does it feel like to be fully satisfied? The same goes for using your phone. It can be super easy to mindlessly be scrolling and then end up with the empty box of Girl Scout cookies. So make it a habit to eat without your phone. It's also so easy to feel bored while in the middle of watching TV or commuting. So try swapping in a bottle of water or coffee instead of those calorie-heavy snacks. Thirdly, remind yourself several times a day of your weight loss goal and how important it is to you. You could paste your reasons for losing weight on a note card that you keep with you or follow a couple of athletes on your social media feeds to keep your goal in mind. Finally, don't get caught in thinking traps that can derail you from your diet. If you feel that you deserve something extra for being good, reward yourself with an extra snack or a small dessert that only adds a limited amount of calories. If you have a bad day, don't use it as an excuse to go off your diet for a week. Remind yourself that you need to get back on track as quickly as possible to minimize the damage. So let's look back on what we've talked about. In order to make a goal effective, it needs to be smart or it has to be specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. Next, self-monitoring can increase your chances of seeing your goal through and can help you learn from your mistakes. When using your food journal to self-monitor, remember to be precise, take a look at your emotions, and to be completely 100% honest. Lastly, you can incorporate methods of cognitive behavior therapy into your daily routine to help you reach your goals more effectively. Consider scheduling your time for food prep and meals. Stock up on healthy snacks that meet your needs. Don't be distracted when you're eating. And keep a handy reminder as to why you set the goal in the first place.
So that's it for this week's podcast on self-monitoring and how to create a better fitness goal. Um, The example of running a marathon was a very real example for me. Um, Back a year ago, I said to myself, you're going to run a marathon. And then I just started running, um, kind of like Forrest Gump, but without um, the success. (laughs) Uh, And I ended up really injuring myself and getting uh, really gnarly shin splints. Um, And that was all because I didn't prepare myself. I didn't make a goal. Um, and I needed to kind of have a better plan. So this is a future Leslie uh, coming in here. We were um, having to re-record the last little bit of uh, this episode as we hit some uh, technical difficulties uh, towards the end. But um, again, I really hope you enjoyed um, the rest of this episode and took something away and were able to implement um, a new goal-setting method um, in your fitness routine. Uh, If you have any ideas on topics or discussion points that you would like us to talk about, uh, feel free to send us an email at podcast at 20minute.fitness. We'd absolutely love to hear from you. Um, And on that note, you can find all of the studies that we mentioned in this podcast at www.20minute.fitness. And if you're enjoying this podcast, uh, it would mean the world to us if you uh, left us a rating and review. Uh, And if you screenshot your rating uh, and review and send it over to podcast at 20minute.fitness along with your address, uh, we'll send you over a mystery prize from the team here at ShapeScale. Again, thank you so much for listening, um, and we hope to meet you back here next week for the latest in fitness and nutrition, um, and we wish you the best on the rest of your fitness journey. Bye!